Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hey everyone, I'm David Chalian, the CNN political director, and this is The Daily DC. Thanks so much for listening. Today on the podcast, I'm joined by my colleague, CNN senior congressional correspondent, Manu Raju. He's up on Capitol Hill, joins me over the uh, magic technology of telephones and wires. Uh, Manu, thank you for being here. Anytime, David. This was a huge week on Capitol Hill, obviously, uh, because Attorney General Barr, I think, became instantly sort of America's political lightning rod this week with his testimony before the Senate Judiciary Committee, his refusal uh, to testify before the House Judiciary Committee. And and I just wanted to get your overall sense of uh, who scored the points politically this week? Did 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 Barr come out damaged? Did the Democrats accomplish their goal? Uh, did Republicans protect Barr from being damaged? What do you think the takeaway was of the whole week? Well, for the Democrats, they feel pretty good about what they've been trying to do was to show that the attorney general is involved in what they view is a cover-up of the Mueller report and to try to show that the, they are... The administration is acting uh, to prevent the public from fully understanding what the president did, that he he was not honest with the American public, Bill Barr, uh, when he initially presented the findings of the two-year investigation by releasing that four-page letter that showed that the the president touted it, saying that he was not... Uh, he was exo- completely exonerated. On what Barr called were principled conclusions of the Mueller report, right? Ex- exactly. Right. I mean, the big revelation, of course, this week was that Mueller had objected to that four-page letter because he believed it did not adequately deal with the nuance and the complexities of the obstruction part of the investigation. And that seemed to contradict what Barr had said in his previous Hill testimony about whether he was aware of any concerns from the special counsel's office. Okay. Uh, let me but, just stop you there. I sure. want to dig. In, I want to dig into that moment there for a second. So, uh, I agree with you. That was the big news of the week, and clearly uh, was a central component, especially of many of the Democrats' questioning uh, on the committee on Wednesday. That letter came out right before, uh, you know, the night before he was going to go uh, testify. Um, did you did Barr uh, acquit himself of any notion that he lied? Because, you know, Nancy Pelosi yesterday just flat out said he lied to Congress. He committed a crime. Um, is this is this something that's up for debate or no? I mean, what he told Charlie Chris, what he told Chris Van Hollen does not match the reality of now what we learned in this letter and information about the phone call between them. Yeah. And he was trying to to make to, to make it uh say there's a difference between what the special counsel had told him in a private phone call versus what he had read in a press report, which is what he believed he was responding to in that line of questioning 
from uh, the the, sen- the senators and the congressman in his previous testimony. You'll recall during that previous testimony, a New York Times report came out and others, including CNN, quickly matched it about special anonymous members of the special pros- counsel's team raising concerns about the four-page letter. That's what they were initially asking him about. So when Barr testified this week... Although some of the language in the actual questions, even if prompted by those news reports, was, was he aware of Barr, uh, was he aware of Mueller having any reservations, right? Exactly. And so, so but Barr kept going back to, well, I was referring to that, and I had no idea about what that report was referring to, and I was referring to those, those reports. He, he was trying to say there was a difference between that and the, the very clear letter that the attorney general sent him. And what Bars also said was the phone call that he had with Mueller was not, he said Mueller, after he sent that letter, Mueller called him up and didn't express any concerns about the letter itself, but how the media, media was portraying the letter. So that was what Barr was trying to say. Well, I'm not aware of any concerns, even though the letter says very, very clearly in plain English that the, he was concerned about the way that this was characterized by the attorney general. But right. That, I don't, that not about media reports. And the, I mean, yes, it was about that the country had a misinterpretation, but it was clear in the letter that Mueller wrote to Barr that he was talking about Barr's characterization. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, you know, the, the question is, Pelosi went a lot further than a lot of Democrats were going. It was actually surprising to hear her say that the attorney general committed a crime. I mean, that is a, a pretty remarkable thing for a Speaker of the House to say about an Attorney General of the United States. It's so true, Manu. I know we get so numb to these, like, dramatic developments in in our lives these days and covering Capitol Hill and the Trump administration, what have you, but the Speaker of the House just said that the Attorney General of the United States lied to Congress and committed a crime. That does not happen every day. Yeah, and this is what Michael Cohen is going to jail for, for three years, for one of the, one of the crimes that he committed was lying to Congress. So, uh, and she was asked directly, do you think the attorney general should go to jail for this? And she sidestepped that question. Stunning. Uh, but, you know, most Democrats have not gone that far. Maybe they will now that Pelosi uh, said that yesterday. Uh, but Republicans believe that the Democrats looked, uh, in their view, silly because they think that they went way too far in going after the reputation of a, a, a distinguished uh, individual who has had a long career and who has been, in their view, transparent and forthcoming and has given as much information as possible. And they believe that the thir- that what happened on Thursday when he did not show up before a House committee hearing because of the dispute over the format, they believe it was the Democrats who ended up looking silly by their theatrics, including one member, Steve Cohen, bringing in a bucket of KFC uh, fried chicken to show that the attorney general is chicken. So, uh, you know, so each side, going back to your initial question, each side believes that they accomplished their goals. Uh, but, you know, because the, that's the, the thing about this universe that we're in. We both can we can all see the same thing happening in front of us. And the two sides can have wildly different interpretations about what the outcome means. Manu, explain to me a little bit about those negotiations between Nadler and Barr about, you know, whether staff attorneys should be able to get 30 minutes per side to question more extensively than the five minutes per member on the committee. First of all, how normal or not normal is it for uh, a congressional committee, a chairman to negotiate with an administration official about how the testimony will proceed? And, and secondly, 
Is this a fair objection from Attorney General Barr, or was this just uh, an excuse to stonewall? It's such an interesting thing, development that happened over the last several days, because it's, it's not uncommon that they would discuss what the hearing would look like beforehand. What is less common, and in, in Republicans' view, uh, completely unprecedented, is the use of congressional staffers, attorneys, to question. They say that nothing... There's been no instance where an, a, a committee staffer on the House Judiciary Committee has asked questions of a cabinet official in an oversight hearing. Now, the question is, what is precedent? Because the Democrats will say, well, look, there have been impeachment proceedings where committee staffers have asked questions of witnesses. But this is not an impeachment proceeding. So why should he the, be allowed to ask questions? And then the Democrats and those will witnesses come back. were in cabinet officials, right? Exa- exactly. And then and the Democrats will say, well, look, the, it's been perfectly normal for the last Congress. Republicans controlled the House. There were closed door interviews with officials, high level FBI officials about the Republican investigation of the Clinton email probe where committee staffers did most of the questioning of these high level FBI officials. So, of course, staffers and staff attorneys should be allowed to ask questions. So this kind of thing went back and forth. But, you know, Barr, I'm sure, had little interest in coming to this committee stacked overwhelmingly with Democrats. There'll be more Democrats asking questions of Republicans, it would have been far, far, far more contentious than the Democrats, than the Senate, sorry, the Senate Judiciary Committee hearing. Why, why is that the case? Why would it have been so much more contentious? Well, just there are more of them. Uh, there's a f- even more partisan committee than the Senate Judiciary Committee, which is hard to imagine because that committee is incredibly partisan as well. Uh, and it would be much longer. And there are at the, towards the end of that hearing, there are a number. There are more Democrats than Republicans on the House Judiciary Committee. There would be maybe ten or so uh, mem- more Democrats who just go one by one by one, just hammering Bill Barr for you know a lot longer. Uh, so I don't think Bill Barr wanted to go through that. Uh, so he used this as a good excuse to get out of this, and Republicans use it as a good excuse to bash the Democrats too for saying. Look, you, if you want to question the attorney general, you can question. You had a chance. Now you have lost your opportunity to question him. And they could be right about that because this could take a while if they do move forward to contempt or issue a subpoena and try to pull, pull him before Congress and he fights it. That could last for a long time and they may never get the chance to question him. That they would, they does, just Nadler, does Nadler think he made a misstep here? Do you have any sense from his team that they overplayed their hand? No, I don't think they do. I mean, I pushed Nadler about that yesterday. I said, "Look, you, this is this is you've been asking for all these questions. Now you're not going to be able to get those answers. Do, are you concerned you made a mistake?" And he said, "We cannot let the administration dictate the rules of our committee." That was his line. Now the. This is all wrapped up, of course, David, in this larger fight between the White House and the Trump administration over a range of requests. And Democrats are furious that they're getting stonewalled at every turn from uh, minor requests to major requests to to subpoenas. They're not getting the information they want. And the last thing that they want is to acquiesce to any sort of demand from the Justice Department because they're already they're getting uh, pushed. They're getting pushed back at every turn. So. So all this is just leading to what is likely going to be a prolonged court fight. So who knows how that turns out? We're going to talk to you more in just a moment about uh, what is ahead, how this battle sort of plays out. Uh, stay right where you are, Manu. We're going to have a lot more with you in just a moment. Uh, tons more on The Daily DC with Manu Raju right after this. 
Welcome back to The Daily DC. I'm David Chalian, the CNN political director. I am joined on the line uh, by my colleague, Manu Raju. He's CNN's senior congressional correspondent and therefore, appropriate enough, is up on Capitol Hill. Um, Manu, uh, you you were talking uh, before the break about uh, a prolonged uh, fight ahead on these issues, not just this one issue of Barr testifying or not, or um, even uh, the issue of getting a fully unredacted uh, version of the the Mueller report, but just um, every bit of oversight and investigative authority that the House majority has uh, being met with resistance uh, by the Trump administration, as you noted, which, you know, I think has its history. Not that's not specific to just this administration. I mean, administration after administration finds ways uh, to try to delay and deflect uh, congressional inquiry, uh, especially when it's coming from the opposition party. Um, But. President Trump has made it clear this is sort of a wholesale answer. He doesn't even want to look at each inquiry on the merits in any way. It's just like we are not helping them out in any of these investigative threads. And and yet this begs my question to you. So where does this lead to just Democrats stomping their feet or is there some way for the House majority to actually um, apply some real accountability measures here? It shows the real limits of congressional power. I mean, if one branch of government says absolutely not, and what is the other branch of government to do? You know, there's the Democrats are really, really in a bind. That's why you will see court fights play out on a range of requests. Uh, you will see a, a, almost certainly next week there will be an issue. There'll be an effort to uh, probably hold the attorney general in contempt over the refusal to provide the full Mueller report. There'll be a lawsuit that will be filed to try to get the full unredacted Mueller report and the underlying evidence. And that's just one court fight. There'll be probably going to be a court fight over the tax returns to try to get the president's tax returns. We expect that to play out. There are already ongoing litigation as the Trump organization has tried to prevent Congress from getting information about the president's financial records. Two different congressional subpoenas have been met with lawsuits by the Trump organization uh, as part of efforts to understand more about the president's finances. Uh, This is a strategy writ large from the administration to just say no on virtually everything, not just the very very controversial things, but things that are of interest to Capitol Hill. Uh, but certainly the White House does not want to give any headlines to Democrats. Things like the security clearance process. The, there's There's been an ongoing fight between the House Oversight Committee and the White House over trying to understand what happened in the security clearance process, whether Jared Kushner and Ivanka Trump should not have gotten their clearances and the president overrode those concerns. The White House has defied the request to understand about the specific individuals uh, whose security clearances had there were concerns raised about. Uh, so you're seeing this all over the place. And the question is, how can the Democrats get this information? And I talked to Democratic chairman about this on a regular basis, and they don't have a good answer, David. Yeah. Well, mean, this is the constitutional rub of the word co-equal, right? I mean, this is, um, as you're saying, you have co-equal branches here, and so you end up in a real uh, constitutional divide. Absolutely. And, you know, they do have a constitutional remedy, impeachment, of course, uh, to try to uh, move forward on that. And you're hearing more Democrats in the rank and file say, if the president's going to defy our subpoenas and our oversight requests, this is an impeachable offense. Okay, but you're hearing that more in the rank and file, but all the public opinion surveys indicate that is getting less and less uh, of a popular option with the American people. 
Absolutely. And that and who reads those polls more than closely than anybody? Nancy Pelosi. I mean, she <laughs> knows full well going down that route is a political loser because the pu- public doesn't support it and it's not going to succeed. Certainly, maybe you can get it through the House, but not going to get the Senate to convict. And impeachment is not a snap of the fingers process. It's a long, drawn-out process that will consume all of the oxygen in the room. And so she does not want to go through that and to help the president who will claim himself a victim and then he'll say he's exonerated once the Senate fails to convict. So the politics of this are very, very complicated for her because more of her members are saying, look, they are not giving us our information. Nixon, one of the articles of impeachment was for uh, his contempt towards Congress. So yep. this is a, there's plenty of precedent in their view to go after the president over, but the... Politics are way too complicated for Nancy Pelosi, who's concerned about a lot of those moderate members. And frankly, she's concerned about giving the president any ammunition that will help his reelection. It's a You had mentioned uh, possibly them uh, holding uh, Barr in contempt, getting a contempt citation. The Republicans did that to Eric Holder during the Obama administration. Uh, there was a vote. They, Congress held him in contempt. It went to court. Uh, took a year and a half through the process, but uh, the court threw it out. Yeah. Uh, they said that they uh, they could not do that and that he was not in contempt. And I'm wondering, the Democrats you're speaking to, do they think they have a stronger argument this time around? Or Yeah, they, it, it's a great point. And I, I actually did I talk to some members in the House Judiciary Committee specifically about that. I said, look, the same the Republicans do the same thing with Eric, Holt, with Eric Holder. They contend that it's different because this is this is goes to the heart of the congressional oversight request although that's pretty much the argument that republicans were making too that they were not getting the information they were seeking uh, as well so um you know it's it the contempt really is another example of the lack of uh, how little the democrats have in their arsenal to really hold the administration's feet to the fire as they are so eager to do because it in the end of the day it's essentially a slap on the wrist right. if anything else and that's why some are talking about the idea of levying heavy fines potentially uh you know thousands and thousands of dollars a day for someone defying a subpoena potentially those are kind of things that people are talking about some members have said why, why don't we jail someone who's uh, defying a subpoena, bring back something, a power that Congress has n- not used in many, 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 many years. Uh, but that also is something that's not seriously being considered at this point. Right. But, it, you know, it's a lot of causing a lot of consternation among the Democrats up here. Two final questions to you back on the Senate side with the uh, Barr's testimony. I, I, I want to ask you about one member of the, the committee from each side of the aisle because I thought they were sort of stand out. It seemed to me that Kamala Harris was the one that uh, sort of drew the most blood of Barr or got under his skin more, really applying her prosecutor credentials. He almost seemed a little bit rattled by her questioning so much that he sort of threw his hands up at one point and just said, I don't know, because he he could not come up with a sufficient answer. Yeah, that was about uh, whether or not the president has ever suggested that he open up an investigation into anything. And... It was a really uh, humorous moment because he was silent for several seconds, and then he said he was grappling with the word suggesting, and then he couldn't answer the question uh, because, frankly, the president probably did. I mean, the president has said publicly that they should investigate the start of the Russia probe. It was almost he had to separate out, like— What's been said publicly and what has been maybe said in a conversation privately. Exactly. And Bill Barr himself has said he's investigating the start of the Russia investigation. So you could draw, put two and two together and that 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 happened. So it was a, 
I asked her office if she knew about anything specific that she where was she just essentially fishing and she was essentially fishing to try to understand exactly and she she drew some blood because it, it was clear that there was probably some discussion because yeah. he was pretty reveal. unflappable throughout the day but that seemed a moment to sort of knock him off course just a just a bit yeah no um, question the other member that I want to ask you about is the chairman Lindsey Graham who just seemed to me that his mission was to try and sort of put a blanket of protection around Barr from the Democrats as much as humanly possible and to, you know, try and focus the subject on the investigation into the investigation and mm-hmm. not the actual underlying purpose of the hearing, which was the Mueller report itself. And the Absolutely. Report. And he is ready to move on. He has made it crystal clear that this is over for him. He told me straight up, we are done with this. I'm not interested in bringing in Bob Mueller. I want to move on. Why is he not interested in bringing in Bob Mueller? He was so interested in protecting Mueller and the ability for Mueller to finish out his investigation. Why would then not have that person come and testify before the Congress and the American people? Because it won't be good for Trump. I mean, he he may not say that so bluntly, but that's pretty clear. He has alluded to that in in several interviews, uh, suggesting that you know this would give the Democrats a major platform. It would allow them to keep the obstruction issues and all the issues that he turned up in the news. And Lindsey Graham, as you well know, David, has turned into the biggest defender of Trump and one of the most powerful defenders of Trump on Capitol Hill uh, since his time as being one of his biggest critics in the, during the 2016 campaign. And now that he wields the, the chairmanship of the Senate Judiciary Committee, that is a, such a key ally for the president to have at this time, at this time of these investigations that are going on. Because Lindsey Graham does not want to direct his committee to look into all the issues that Mueller brought out. He wants to look into all the issues that the president wants to look at, which is concerns that the, they have with the, how the FBI carried out the investigation that, of course, was a favorite topic of Devin Nunes, and that was a line of questioning that Lindsey Graham had for Bill Barr at the start of the hearing as well. So watch for that to be his major focus in the months ahead, and it'll probably help him in his own re-election come 2020 as he he no longer has to worry about a primary challenge. That's been an issue for him in the past, but not anymore, in large yeah. part because of the way he's aligned himself with Trump. Makes you wonder what his late friend John McCain would uh, think about uh, how Lindsey Graham has sort of moved on the Trump spectrum over time. Uh, Manu Raju, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate your insights. Keep up the great work, sir. Thank you, David. That does it for this edition of The Daily DC. Thank you all so much for listening. Hope you'll tune in again right here on Monday.